0: You're listening to the Traffic and Leads Podcast, where the leading SEO, pay per click, social media, content marketing, and email marketing authorities come to share their secrets. Now, please welcome your host, online marketing expert, One Click Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Traffic and Leads Podcast. I am your host, One Click Lindsay, and today we have a sales superstar. His name is Andy Paul, and he loves to share powerful, and game-changing sales strategies and building successful sales teams. He helps companies, business owners, executives, and sales professionals reach their goals. He is also the host of a super awesome podcast called Accelerate, Sales Profits Growth. And on that podcast, he interviews top sales professionals on all of their super selling secrets. Welcome to the show, Andy.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Lindsay. I mean, we're not just relegated to sales. We also have marketing experts like yourself on the show.
0: There well, yes. I mean, that was the best episode that was the best episode you published.
1: <laughs> well, it hasn't. Yeah, that's right. For anyone <laughs> this is published yet. Yeah, it may or may not have been published yet, but it's definitely the best one we've recorded for for sure.
0: For real, for real. Well, Andy, let's just hop in. Well, since we're talking about the podcast, tell me more about the podcast.
1: So, we publish five new episodes a week with uh, we focus it's a half-hour interview show. We've got the top people in sales. Uh, we've got increasingly we've got top people in marketing on the show, leadership experts, um, anything that can help, you know, give it actionable advice to help business owners and sales leaders and even sales professionals to accelerate the growth of their business. And so that's really what we're focused on. And yeah, it's it's uh, there's so many people out there so many interesting stories to share and, and strategies to share that that uh, we started started off initially last fall in October 2015 with four episodes a week. And it's. Just based on demand, we've gone to five episodes a week, and I think that'll sort of be a good limit for us. But um, but yeah, as like I said, it's just it's fascinating for me because I, perhaps selfishly, I I learn a lot doing these that I can apply to my own business.
0: I feel the same way. So when you say we, who's we?
1: Well, oh, it's me, and I've got um, two sort of virtual assistants that help me with the production of the show. Uh, one that's a uh, woman who's been with me, Catherine, for gosh, three, almost four years now, and does a lot of the back end stuff in terms of helping us get our show notes pages up and our, our promotional supports material together that we send to all of our guests and uh, sort of a alternating cast of, of assistants uh, helping us with the editing and production and post-production of the the show.
0: Awesome. So so you went from four episodes to five episodes that must take a lot of your time. Is that true?
1: Well, we, we it does, sort of. I mean, we've, we've got this process down pretty well. Um, you know, surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, but I think one thing I do a little bit differently, perhaps, than um, some podcasts or maybe a majority of the podcast hosts is do some pretty in-depth preparation so that we can have really good, spontaneous, sort of unscripted conversations with the, the experts. And so, yeah, I think people are Come and the feedback we've gotten on the show is okay. Yeah, this is this is this is cool. It's a little different than what we're hearing out there, and uh, yeah, we've seen the audience grow as a result of it. So that, the preparation probably is the what takes the most time, and then we record a couple days a week as we try to keep it uh, relegated to that.
0: Awesome. So when you say so, do you have any other secrets on how you've been able to grow your audience for your podcast besides just? obviously producing quality episodes? Well, I
1: think that's been it so far. I mean, I'm, I'm learning like everybody else that sort of gets into it, sort of a new media for us. And so we're we're trying to absorb the best information we can from, you know, people who have been successful doing this. And, uh, you know, I belong to certain communities and mastermind groups and so on that you know, I'm trying to absorb absorb as much knowledge. But it really starts with, with having great content and um, great guests who are, Going to go off script, and I think that's really, to me, is is the key. And yeah, you know, I think a lot of podcast guests are accustomed to um, you know providing a list of questions that the host will ask them. And mm-hmm. I don't accept questions from the guests. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I
0: <laughs> Andy, you have to
1: show up and, and trust me that we're going to have a fun conversation. And and we do. So it's it's yeah, uh, you know, I, I think we go down some paths, perhaps that there the audience doesn't always hear with these people.
0: So just for fun, um, you were doing four days a week and then you went up to five days a week. Is that literally because you were getting people emailing being like, we want more, we want more? So you were like, okay, fine, I'll give them one more day?
1: Uh, we're, it was a combination of things. We were getting some of that and we were getting, um, after we'd done, oh gosh, after we'd been on the air, let's say for about 60 days, started getting requests from people to be on the show. Awesome. So we're, that's you know, between the two of those things, we said, yeah, let's just make fill that extra day.
0: So is that how you, in general, find the guests for your show? Is people think your podcast is awesome and they want to be on the show?
1: It's a mix. So we have um, people that, that approach us and then people that, that I approach. And then I also have a people working with me against our virtual, in a virtual capacity that uh, maybe have connections to certain people and certain guests or certain types of guests. And so they work and help me with that.
0: Awesome. So just for fun, let's talk about promoting a specific podcast episode if you don't mind and you can say it's super secret if you want but (laughs) let's say it's the day that you're going to publish a poster maybe you do something two or three days beforehand can you walk us through that process
1: sure so what we do is is and it's it's changing a little bit as we learn ourselves but we think the podcast is really about the guests not about us and not about me so people are tuning in to hear whoever my guest is you know you are on the show people are going to tune in to listen to you not to me um I mean, it's nice to hear me, but, but it's really about you. And so, our whole idea about the podcast is that when we promote the episode, it's to try to generate uh, whatever type of prospect interest my guest has, or they want to sell books, or they want to sell consulting services, or, or whatever. And we try to help in that. So, um, we put together for every episode a little mini campaign that we send to our guests and we send it in advance. And it'll have, we found that the best way for guests to generate Downloads and of their episode, and to get people listening to it, is to email about the podcast to their list, their own list. Because you know, if you have a list of, let's say, ten thousand names, and you certainly don't, not all of them are customers, but they all might be prospective customers at some point. Well, they're probably the ones with the highest predisposition to listen to your episode, and perhaps buy a book, contact you about a consulting, join your coaching group or mastermind group, or whatever your services you sell. So we want them to start with an email to their list. Then we provide a handful of, of tweets, sample tweets that they can use uh, based on the show, and with suggested posting times and dates and times based on, you know, sort of the science is out there about best time of day to post them. Um, and then we provide a couple LinkedIn and Facebook updates as well with suggested times and dates to post those. And we'll send that to the guest list. That's usually a day or two ahead of time of the episode. And we find that, you know, if they follow it, it, it works. It helps them, uh, generate more downloads of the, of the episode. And I'm starting to hear now from guests on the show that, that, uh, they're closing deals. They're getting prospects and closing deals as a result of people that heard them on the show, which is, for me, is the best, That's the best awesome. news of all. And then on our side, but- we, we also have a, create a series of tweets and LinkedIn updates and so on that, that we publish, and then it goes into our permanent rotation. So we'll have in our permanent sort of Twitter rotation, uh, we'll keep promoting people's episodes basically ad infinitum. And so you know, a couple.
0: And what software do you use for that?
1: Well, we've changed, or we're in the process of changing. We've been using uh, Meet Edgar, and we're changing to Buffer. Why? Um well, my assistant who, who works that just feels that it's uh, a little more user friendly for her and a little more flexibility mm-hmm. in terms of of the scheduling. Fair enough. So um and then we'll we'll you know share these as updates on Facebook on LinkedIn. But now what we're doing is adding another layer for LinkedIn is is starting here fairly soon is we're going back to um, each of the episodes and we're going to create a blog post around it that we'll publish on LinkedIn and um, use that then to try to attract listens from you know sort of a growing following that, that we've been developing on LinkedIn.
0: Wow. Well, th- that's the perfect segue to what I want to talk to you about next, Andy, <laughs> which is LinkedIn. So just for everybody who knows, Andy is killing it on LinkedIn. If you go and look at his profile, the man has like what is it, 25,000 followers? Something like that,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Which is crazy awesome on LinkedIn. So you can whisper if you need to, but what are
1: your secrets? <laughs> I think it's it's good content. I don't even have to whisper it. I'll say it out loud. It's good, good content. And so one of the things that I've changed, and I was inspired to do this by you know, a gentleman who I've interviewed for my show who uh, wrote about this strategy on LinkedIn, is, is he's basically using linkedin as his primary publishing platform for new content and um primarily you know his written content blogs and so on and he talked about his experience doing that over a year as opposed to primarily using his his own blog site and just the amount of engagement with his content and the number of people following it just skyrocketed and it just it made so much sense to me i read this in the fall and i thought yeah, that that makes a lot more sense because that's there's a lot more people built an audience on LinkedIn. There is people coming by my website or trying to drive traffic to my website specifically for that. So we've started doing that. So we've we've um, gosh, we're doing two new original articles per week, as well as yeah, obviously sharing the updates about our our podcasts and so on. Um, and it's just it's just ballooned in the last. Uh, Gosh! Really, in the last ninety days, 120 days, it's really taken off since we started. That's doing
0: awesome! It. So cool content. Have you been fe- featured? Like LinkedIn Pulse will have a little featured option. Have you noticed being featured, or is it just literally well, with, something well, I else? I
1: think with the with the um, advent of the new LinkedIn mobile app, that I I was uh, honored, I guess, to with, to be chosen as one of sort of the Preferred content providers in the sales space, so that uh, I think my my content does get featured for people who are sort of self identified as sales.
0: Awesome, and that just happened. That right?
1: happened relatively recently as well. Yeah,
0: because you just have awesome content. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's I've since the beginning, and I've, I'm.
0: You make it seem so easy, but we all know how hard content is, it, Andy. Yeah.
1: So I like creating content. Obviously, you can tell by by what I'm doing. But I made the the decision. I'm relatively relatively new at this. I've only been doing it a a few years since I sort of transitioned from being sort of a consultant to, you know, I wrote a book and the reception for the book was more than I expected it was going to be and sort of got me down this path of blogging and and sharing content the way I wasn't before. And and it's really been my goal is just to, you know, keep it non-promotional. You know, it's not about me. It's about... Again, it's about the customer. It's about the people reading it. It's something that they can really take away and use, and make it clean and concise and humorous and logical. and And I think it it just appeals to people because it's it's not promoting an agenda other than be the best you can be.
0: It's awesome. So let's talk about one more thing on LinkedIn, which is uh, titles for your blog posts. Do you put a lot of thought into those? Are they witty or are they like keyword heavy? What, tell me. Talk to me yeah, about titles. I
1: I have to admit that I I don't you know, as a lot of people do, I don't I don't tend to do a lot of, you know, search optimization on my, my blog posts. And so I I tend to write about what I A what interests me and and B what I'm hearing when I go to conferences and talk to clients and other companies so on that that's out there that are matters of concern for a broader audience. But I you know, it's not like a you know politician polling everything and seeing what they need to talk about or, you know, doing the searches to see what the real keywords are that people are searching for. I, I have to admit it's sort of unorthodox, but um yeah, you know, so sort of write I write for what I think the audience wants at that point in time. And um changing that a little bit. Changing that a little bit. So in terms of the titles themselves, yeah, yeah, I I don't tend to do a lot of list titles, um though I've got some coming up, I will admit <laughs> I've got some coming up, I'll just prepare people. Um but uh, yeah, I I have a maybe a fatal flaw. I, I tend to try to make some of them a little little clever, maybe too clever sometimes.
0: Well, they say that's what get i mean that's the real issue is like if you do a keyword heavy title, then the keyword then the search engines will see it, but no one will want to click on yeah. it right so you want to go with pithy cute titles, so you've decided to go that way, which yeah, I respect
1: I try and i I don't know how successful I am but but i do I do try i mean it's to me it's and we remember talking to there's a you know somebody that just kills it in the sales space a friend of mine Jill Conrath, who's you know a, the giant in the field, if you will. And, and we were talking about this at dinner a year or so ago, and and she's sort of similar. She you know, just she writes what interests her, and uh, you know that's part of the fun. That's why we're in the business is you know sharing the things that really interest us, as opposed to trying to anticipate you know based on keyword searches what we should write about. You know we write about what we're passionate about, and hopefully that shows through in the writing.
0: So. Um, so do you go through a lot of different titles and ask different people which one they like better? Or do you just like put a title on, call it good, and hit yeah, publish? Yeah,
1: I, I I put a title on it and I, you know.
0: Andy, you just make everything I, sound I, I, too easy. Well, I don't
1: know if it's any good or not, but I, <laughs> I just close my eyes and do it.
0: It's obviously I mean, good. It, the man has 20,000 followers. You know, it, it,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I try. And I, I still, like I said, I sometimes cringe when I hit publish because I, you know, I worry probably excessively about how people are gonna think about it, but um <laughs> that's
0: it's, it's working. Yeah. It's working I mean
1: it's hard, as you know, you you publish and I certainly it's way better. When I first started blogging and in and my first role, my first book is you know, it is that fear, you just don't know how people are going to receive it. And um so every time I was publishing a blog post I expected to get a comment from somebody telling me how stupid I was um,
0: get this guy off by, here. By, by, <laughs>
1: I haven't gotten that too often.
0: people on LinkedIn are fairly dignified. Yeah, I,
1: I get that occasionally, but not not uh, not so much as to dissuade me
0: so do you have a LinkedIn group or is, are you primarily just posting updates and on the on polls? the
1: pulse and um, yeah, I'm thinking about starting a group, so that is one of the things that um has been suggested to me by a mutual acquaintance of ours um so I am
0: yeah i wonder I wonder if that would be just an easy way to pull people over from your amazing following to where you could actually like email them. Cause if you have them in a group, you can email them once right. a week and then maybe get them on a legit right. list. Yeah.
1: So that, that, course. um, that our, <laughs> I said, our, I laugh because Lindsay and I share a, a business code. <laughs> um, and <gasps> she's been working with him for a while. I just started fairly recently, but yes, he did suggest that just last week cause we were talking that I should consider that. Oh, yes, well there so you go. It's on my list.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, an idea. So, um, let's speak about that anyway. So, how are like how, what are you doing with these amazing followers on LinkedIn? Are you trying to list build at the end of your article? Do you ask them to go to your page and sign up for you know amazing Andy Paul or? We do. What it are you doing? Really
1: selectively at this point in time, and so part of part of the strategy, such as it is, is that. Um, yeah I want people to feel that first and foremost when they interact with my content that again that it's just about the content and them and so give an example so i've I have a fairly large library of tweets that that is growing and but uh, most of those tweets don't have links on them you know they're just pure sales content and um, people really like that <laughs> and so mm-hmm. yeah, we sort of. Take a little bit of that over into the the blog post as well as we're just we're not trying to sell every time we publish something.
0: But do you sometimes yeah, do. put? Are you trying to? We get do, and some- we're
1: we're doing it more frequently in conjunction with um, yes, on the blog post we're be pushing putting up about the uh, the podcast and so on for sure.
0: Awesome. Do you try um do you have any are you trying to build your list based on podcast listeners right now? Uh,
1: we're doing some of that and it's it's actually we've had a fairly strong uptick in the subscription to our newsletter based on people that you know go to the website and the show notes page and and then also subscribe to our our newsletter.
0: Do you have any other opt-ins or is it primarily if you want our weekly digest of what we're producing so kind of here. Is that what you're giving away? It
1: is mostly at this point in time. I do have a series of ebooks um that uh, we put out occasionally, but we're sort of in the process of, of changing those and updating them and perhaps going to a little bit of a different format with some of the, the uh, things that content, free content and the free resources people can sign up to receive. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit of a transition right now. It's, we've sort of pulled some things back, so we're really focusing on the newsletter right now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And so you have seen a direct correlation between maybe a podcast episode going out and people going to your website and signing up for that
1: newsletter. Yes. Yes.
0: Awesome. So let's talk about money, sure. monetization. Monetization. So you have a super successful podcast, super successful LinkedIn. Tell me the products and services you're trying to sell these followers.
1: Well, again, that's, that's, that's a little bit of a transition for us. So um, we're transitioning the business away from being more consulting heaven heavy to trying to develop a series of information products uh, that people can, can subscribe to. And so we've relatively recently launched the first one, which is online training uh, package, video, interactive video. And, um, yeah, like I said, that's the first one. There'll be more things sort of similar to that. And so that's sort of the one thing we're sort of focused on. And then I have, you know, sort of remnants of my consulting business, but I have sort of ongoing uh, relationship with a, a number of CEOs that ask me to advise them on sales and growth issues for their business, typically small, mid-sized enterprises and some startups. So that also, you know, we get interest in that people, people attract and contacting us because of the podcast or because of blog posts or seeing me speak somewhere.
0: I see. Have you gotten more speaking gigs based on what uh, you're doing? Not
1: yet. Not yet. Um, and that's partially because we haven't been as aggressive marketing that just over the last six months to a year just because of the... Uh, the workload we've been experiencing with uh, the podcast. But I can see that changing you know, as we go forward in the next uh, six months to a year.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So have you had any other luck with um, list building? Do you have any any success with that outside of just this newsletter thing that you're doing right now? Uh,
1: uh, no, we've really focused us uh, sort of over the last year, year and a half, really on the, the newsletter and as a way of building the list. And we're fairly selective about how we market to the list. Um, so it's, it's something that, again, I think that we're trying to do is, as my theory is, and whether it's a, a valid theory or not, is really cement the trust-based relationship with the client over a period of time and, and be, be judicious about how we, how we market to the list and make sure that when we do it, it's something that will really have high value for them.
0: Awesome. Super awesome. Um so when you're blogging, even like on your blog outside of LinkedIn and stuff, you don't do you do any keyword research over there or you don't even care about search engines at this point? Do you get much traffic to your website or do you not um, even know? Yeah, you
1: know, I haven't tracked really since we started the podcast, I really haven't tracked that so much um because we've really been focusing on the LinkedIn and just been measuring it by the number of followers we've been attracting. Awesome. Yeah, so, so awesome. I, I Okay. I,
0: do you do much on twitter, we are,
1: yeah so we we tweet um like I said we have an inventory probably approaching uh, i don't know how often you hear the word inventory with Twitter, but um
0: <laughs> that's so personal <laughs> we,
1: have, we have an inventory, I think, yeah, somewhere between seven hundred and fifty and a thousand tweets that we recycle, not recycle, but that we cycle through on a regularly scheduled basis um and so, you know, because Twitter, as everybody knows, it just goes by in a hurry, and and we could have something published we've may published twenty times, and somebody's not going to see it until the twenty-first time. Um, so we get lots mm-hmm. of fresh engagement with with tweets that have been out for two years. But again, they're they're these sort of pithy, concrete what I call uh, sales fortune cookies mm-hmm. that uh, that people get a lot of benefit from because it's just a sort of sales thought of the day. Like I said a sales fortune cookie. That gives them they can absorb really quickly and people like them. As I said, they, they we get a lot of feedback on it. Awesome. And,
0: All right. So I only have you for a few more minutes. Can, I do need to pick your brain about sales and marketing sure. tactics because I know you're a sales superstar. So can you give us your top three maybe mistakes that business owners make when they're in their sales process?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, for, uh, so several. So one with business owners is, is if they're not selling themselves, that's a problem. Right. If they're not out there engaged in the sell process, if they don't understand how their product is being sold, that that is an issue I see quite a bit. And when I work with like startup companies that are founded by technical founders that that have never sold, you know, they're engineers. Yeah, I make sure they get out and sell it because they really can't understand what it is, what the value proposition is, what the client really is going to see the value in, and really what the process will be to get them from point of interest to a decision unless they're out there doing it themselves. So that's one is that owners just can't, and CEOs just can't divorce themselves from sales. They need to stay engaged with it. Um, probably a second tip, and this is what I'm seeing more and more is that a little bit of a concern is that you know there's so much automation becoming available you know, in the way of tools and technologies for sales and marketing that, that can automate a lot of the contacts that you have with your prospective buyers is that you have to remember that That almost every marketplace. I mean, take my business for instance. There's there's lots of people like me out there. There's probably a lot of people like you, Lindsay, that do things things very similar. So this is true across almost every market that that people are in. There's a huge number of competitors. How do you differentiate yourself from your competitors? And how do you build that trust? How do you get the prospect to know and like you? And it really comes down to a person selling to a person. And so if you're a business owner, you're saying, how what do I need to make sure that my salespeople really understand? Yeah, you need to make sure they understand the product and the value proposition, but they need to understand that that they are the front-line differentiation between their competitors. It's how it's how you sell more than what you sell that's going to create that that uh, sense in the customer that they want to be able to do business with you. And so, how responsive you are to the prospect when they have questions, you know, how quickly and completely you answer their questions, you know, how thoroughly can you understand their concerns. You know these things are real differentiators, and you really need to make sure that your sales team is really focused on making a difference when you're face to face, even virtually, face to face with the prospect.
0: Excellent. Those are some really good tips, and kind of hard to remember as a business owner that wears so many hats. You kind of throw the sales over to someone else and assume that it's all being done well on your behalf. But yeah, that's it. Probably. It probably oh, isn't, it's not. Right? The perfect
1: example is, and I talk about this in my first book, Zero Time Selling is that you know, if you're a company and you're, a lot of times small businesses like to default in their investment to you know, advertising to do lead generation and so on, and, and instead of maybe going out and doing proactive business development with their sales team, which is fine, but if you're getting generating leads, you know, how quickly you follow up, how completely you follow up when you follow up quickly, will make the difference between winning the sale or not. And so many CEOs mm-hmm. and, and business leaders, sales leaders will say, well, yeah, they just assume that if we get a lead, somebody's following up. And that's, they're oftentimes surprised to find out, hey, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening at all. Yeah. And, you know.
0: Or, and quickly, like you said, a customer's impression when they're deciding if they're going to go with yes. you can be built right there if you're going to answer their questions well or patiently well, I think the, before they've given right, you money.
1: I mean, then the key is that it's not a, the virtue in sales is not just to be fast, it's to be fast and complete. And that's what I, that's what I call mm-hmm. responsiveness. So being responsive is not just about being fast. It's about if a customer has a question or they sent you a lead, is that you get back to them and you can engage them in a meaningful conversation and provide the answers they they want in order to move through their buying process faster. And so, that, as you said, that first interaction with the, the prospect can mean all the difference. I had a client, I talked about this in the first book, that, that brought me in because their sales had sort of stalled out a little bit and I came and did an analysis of their their sales process and found that they were generating a fair number of leads, but they weren't being followed up within any sort of promptness at all. It's taking about four days on average to follow up these sales leads. Oof. And we changed the process immediately. It literally, took about five minutes to change their process so that all their leads were being followed up within the first 24 hours, which, again, it's not fast in a great sense, but it was a lot faster than they were doing. And what they saw is they saw this immediate change in the way the prospects were reacting to them because they were still waiting for all these other companies to get back to them. So when the salespeople saw that they were creating this sort of competitive advantage for themselves by responding fast, they said, well, can we keep tweaking the process to make it even faster? And so we got to the point where, and this was selling a technical product sold for about $35,000 or so at an entry price, is that wow. we found that we got the process down. They were following up within 30 minutes, every lead that came in. and.
0: And I bet the customers were the customers, on that because oh, they felt like that's the kind of support they were going to get and the kind of company they were going to exactly. buy into. For
1: those exact reasons. And so even in deals where there was competitors' equipment stalled, they used this process. And without really introducing any new products over the course of less than three years, they more than doubled their sales just by taking you know, business away from what the competitors might have gotten before. Because they, what happens, I use the term, is they get the leads off the street. And that's what you want. Respond quickly and completely. Engage the customer in great value-based, meaningful discovery discussions, and you take them off the street. You take away their incentive to go talk to another vendor.
0: I love that. So, and I'm sure they gave you, you know, half of their revenue.
1: Yeah, that was my incentive payment, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It seemed like such an easy fix. How can they even pay you for it? Yeah.
1: If it was that easy, they would have thought about it themselves. But I know, I'm but kidding. Yes. No, it's, yeah. and so it's it's really is a lot of times it's the simple things that have to do with how you interact with that other person. And, and so let's not get so carried away by automation that we forget that at the end of the day, it's a person to a person making that decision.
0: Very true. All right, Andy. Unfortunately, I've taken up all of your time today. So before we go, remind us again how to find the podcast, why we should listen to it, and anything else you want us to well, know.
1: Well, we'll start with why you should listen to it because I, you yeah, know,
0: usp maybe, right maybe now i
1: think it's the place you can go for the most intelligent educational information about sales and marketing and sales automation and, and the things that are really important for people trying to you know grow their quickly grow their businesses and um you can find it on itunes and on stitcher it's accelerate with an exclamation mark or come to my website andypaul.com click on the button that says podcast And you'll see a complete listing of all the episodes. And just click on one and start listening. I think once you listen to one, you want to listen to more. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on LinkedIn. Of course. Andy Paul. Um, You can search for Andy Paul or search for Zero Time Selling. And, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Twitter handle is at Zero Time Selling, all one word. And, yeah, I'd love to interact with you and connect with you. If you have questions, please feel free to reach out.
0: Awesome. Thanks again for being a guest on the oh, show, thanks Andy. for having me. Yes, sir. Well, there you have it, folks. Another awesome episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. I'm your host, OneClickLindsay with TrafficAndLeads.com, where the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.
1: You've been listening to the Traffic and Leads podcast, featuring online marketing expert Lindsey. Tune in each week to experience Lindsay's unique gift for helping entrepreneurs and small business owners accelerate the growth of their business by strategically getting them more traffic and powerful leads. To make sure you don't miss a single business building show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and OneClickLindsay.com. If you know someone who would benefit from more traffic and leads, please tell them about the Traffic and Leads podcast. And finally, to learn more about working with Lindsay and her dedicated team, of marketing experts, please visit OneClickLindsay.com. Now go and implement what you've learned, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Traffic and Leads podcast. And remember, the solution to your slow growth is just one click away.